0: All right. I got a weird question for you. You Ready? Have you ever been in jail? Go ahead and drop that down in the comments right there. No, I'm just kidding. You don't have to do that. Please. We don't need to know your your, uh, criminal history. But I've never been arrested, but I have been uh, on some tours in some different jails. I went uh, to one of the very first penitentiaries in Philadelphia and toured that. And uh, there's actually a little museum up in fairmont that was an old sheriff's house and it looks like just a regular house from the front but as you go deeper and deeper into it there's actually like 30 to 50 cells in the back half of it where the sheriff used to live in the front half with his family and there was just dozens of prisoners in the back half it's an amazing thing it's just up in fairmont you should check it out i think it's free too but paul was in jail in the text that we're going to talk about this morning in philippians chapter 1 and he's writing a letter to the, uh, the church of Philippi and all these people that he cared about. Telling him how much he loves them. But then he makes a statement just seven verses into this letter that I want to talk about today. It's Philippians chapter 1 verse 7. He's telling them how he cares about them. And he says, it's right for me to feel this way about you. Because I hold you in my heart. For you are all partakers with me of grace both in my imprisonment and here's what i want to jump out of here and in the defense of and confirmation of the gospel in the defense and confirmation of the gospel paul states that he is ready to defend his faith in jesus christ and he also knows as he's writing to these people in philippi that some of them would stand with him in his defense of the gospel as well. Just a couple verses later in verse 16, he says again, he says, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. uh, Paul sees how God is working in his life and how he's using these situations for him to defend the gospel. Now, Peter says something similar in 1 Peter 3.15. He says, in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for the reason for the hope that is in you yet and this is important it says yet do it with gentleness and respect so here in this passage peter challenges all of us to be defenders of our faith now the word defense there in the greek is the word apologia and that's where we get the word apologetics from And that is a reasoned argument that presents evidence. That's where we get that word apologetics from in the study of the defense of our faith. It's not about like winning debates or or arguments. But it's the fact that every Christian must be ready to give an answer for why you believe what you believe. There's a ne- that's a never-ending study because by the time we get to the end of it, we've forgotten the beginning of it, right? And we got to always pour in and figure out and remember why we believe what we believe. Because we need to give a reasoned argument for the hope that we have and yet do it with gentleness and respect. Not defensiveness and not arguments. See, There's a thing uh, that most people or many people might not realize. Because this is something that people tell us about ourselves. Is that in order to be a Christian you have to put reason and logic on the shelf. And in order to be a follower of Jesus you have to turn your brain off. And just blindly hope in what you believe. But that's certainly not true. But many believe that. In fact many Uh, young people believe that. And they're scared to ask questions in the church. And then when they enter into college, they cannot defend or give evidence to why they believe what they believe. But a faith that cannot be challenged cannot be trusted. A faith that cannot be challenged cannot be trusted. I don't know if you've seen this. There's a common trend right now of deconversion stories where maybe someone that was in a Christian band or maybe even a pastor where they uh, tell the reasons why they no longer follow God, why they no longer believe in God. But I've read a lot of these articles and many times when you read through it, you're going to notice that it's not about doctrine and it's not about really even about God, but many times it's about their relationship with other Christians and how they were hurt with Christians. And that's why they no longer believe. I grew up in church my whole life. My dad was a deacon. My parents taught Sunday school. I went to VBSs. I went to church camp. I went to a Christian school. I went to a Christian college. But many times I could name dozens of people that no longer follow Jesus from those places that I attended. Why? But because many of them simply believed because they always had, or because their parents believed, or because their friends believed. In short, their faith was not their own. They didn't own it. It was someone else's religion. They relied on someone else for their faith. And whenever that relationship crumbled, or got worse, or it was tested, they fell away from the faith. See, some people that grow up in church have blind faith. Blind faith is a faith that doesn't see or know the evidence. Now, the Bible defines what our faith should look like in Hebrews one one. That whole chapter is about all these people that stepped out in faith and they lived their life in a way that was characterized by faith. But Hebrews chapter uh, eleven verse one tells us what faith is and i'm partial to the way that the king james says it it says faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen let's break that down right substance means support substance has something to it and hope isn't the word that we think of as hope biblical hope is expectation it's not a wish Upon a star that you give to Jiminy Cricket. It's an expectation that something is going to happen. So substance and expectation and evidence means proof. Faith is the substance, support, evidence and proof for our belief in Jesus. It's not blind faith. We often describe faith like we describe wind, right, and gravity. Someone says, well, I don't understand why you believe in God and how you can believe in God. And you say, well, you believe in wind, right, and you believe in gravity, and you can't see any of those things either. And that's true. Those are good arguments, except for the fact that we do have evidence for wind, and we do have evidence for gravity. We feel the wind. We feel the effects of the wind. We see the trees blow. We feel the effects of gravity, especially as we get older, right? We feel those effects. We see the proof. We see the proof of places that don't have gravity, like space. Having faith isn't the opposite of having evidence and proof. They go hand in hand now we don't ask god to prove himself that's more ignorant than asking wayne gretzky if he ever played hockey but even though we don't ask god to prove himself that doesn't mean we don't have proof now it's important for us to distinguish between faith and blind faith because blind faith is very dangerous in 1997 the heaven's gate cult led by reverend applewhite committed mass suicide 38 people killed themselves for their faith. They believed that planet Earth was going to be wiped clean by these supernatural forces and that the only path to salvation was to escape to the next level. In 1997, Applewhite announced the boarding of a spacecraft that was traveling closely behind the comet hale Bob. And so on March 26th, when the comet was at its brightest, Applewhite and 38 of his followers committed suicide in order to obtain their uh, entrance into this ufo and to get their terrestrial form the movement of the restoration of the 10 commandments of god in uganda 778 people killed themselves drinking poison to celebrate the end of the world in the year 2000 20 years ago i didn't even know the world ended Jonestown, in November 1978, Jim J- Jones brainwashed 912 of his followers into preserving the people's temple. They wanted to make it into eternity, so they drank this Kool-Aid that had poison in it. And that's the largest mass suicide in history. Why am I saying this? I'm telling you this because all of these cults use the Bible in some form or fashion in order to control people. These people had sincere faith, right? They believed it. But it was blind faith that followed after a man. Blind faith is a dangerous thing. So here's the question. What makes your faith better than theirs? What separates your faith from their faith? What proof or evidence do you have that your belief is more likely than theirs? All belief is not equal. Yes, you're entitled to your own belief, but you're not entitled to your own truth because truth is non-negotiable. So how do we avoid falling into one of these cults, right? And getting tricked by someone on TV or articles on the internet that use the Bible and twist it to support man's theories. How do you get from living off of your parents' faith or your wife's faith to living on your own faith? There is no substitute for you searching out your own faith and taking responsibility for what you believe. Listening to someone preach once a week is not enough. If that's all you do, your faith is shallow. If you don't read your Bible for yourself, your faith is shallow. If you don't spend time in prayer yourself, by yourself, alone, with just you and God, your faith is weak and shallow. And maybe you have questions. That is amazing. Questions are great. Questions means you're thinking and you're not just blindly following someone. And God is not scared of your questions. Having questions isn't wrong, but questions left unattended lead to doubt. So instead, pursue your questions. Don't ignore them. And we need to take responsibility because it's our responsibility ...to defend our faith. And when we give that answer, well, that's just what I believe... ...then our argument is no different than the arguments of those cults that we just gave. Well, that's just what I believe. That's not a reason. See, one of the problems in our churches today is we project that real Christians don't have... Ooh, that's a tongue twister right there. We project that real Christians don't have questions... And people just accept with blind faith what preachers say that God says. The Barna Group found out that a third of young Christians say that they don't feel comfortable asking pressing questions about the church. And that's a problem because questions deepen our faith. This is what Tim Keller says about questions and faith. He says, A faith without some questions... It's like a human body without antibodies in it. People who blindly go through life too busy or indifferent to ask hard questions about why they believe as they do will find themselves defenseless against tragedy or the probing questions of skeptics. A person's faith will collapse almost overnight if they failed over the years to listen patiently to their own questions and pursue the answers. People without questions tend to believe uh, things that are not worthy of belief. There's a whole book industry, a movie industry, that is dedicated to things that are outside the Bible, but they wrap themselves in Christianity, and Christians gobble it up. There was a book in 2010, best-selling book, called The Boy Who Came Back From Heaven, where a boy describes what heaven is like after getting in a car accident. It sold over 1 million copies since 2010. It was adapted into a movie. But in January 2015, that boy came out with this statement. He said, I said I went to heaven because I thought it would get me attention. When I made the claims I did, I had never read the Bible. People have profited from my lies and continued to. But they should read the Bible, which is enough. The Bible is the only source of truth, and anything written by man cannot be infallible. That's what this young man said, and he, he talks about being overwhelmed with feelings of guilt. But now at least we know, and he knows, and we can be comforted by the fact that he knows the truth now. But we can so easily get duped because we don't ask the hard questions. But the problem is it's difficult for us to have sustained thought. It's difficult for us to have deep Thoughts and to think through things because we're so easily distracted. And then couple that with the fact that we're busier than ever before. We have more access to entertainment than ever before. And this is a recipe, a recipe for superficiality. We're shallow. Now look, I love worship music. But did you know this? That an unbeliever can get lost in worship music. I, I love... Uh, Coming down to the altar and and praying. But did you know that a person that's not saved can have an emotional experience at an altar? Those things are not what our Christianity is founded on. It's founded on the proof and evidence and belief that we have in Jesus Christ. The redeeming work of the cross. As an historical event that really happened in history and that changed everything. See that's the amazing thing about our God is he gave us proof. He gave us evidence and it's our responsibility to learn it and to study it and to pour ourselves over it. See that's what sets Christianity apart from every other religion. It's the evidence that we have that Jesus was who he said he was, that he died on a cross, that he was buried in another man's tomb, that he rose again on the third day and was seen of hundreds of witnesses. We have thousands and thousands of texts, even texts that are from non-Christian historians that give us the proof of who Jesus was. Acts 1.1 says, The former treaties that I have made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began, both to do and teach, until the day in which he was taken up. After that, he, through the Holy Ghost, had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom also he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs, being seen of them forty days, and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom. It tells us that there was a time after the resurrection, 40 days, that Jesus walked among them and gave them many infallible proofs. You don't have to have blind faith. Jesus gave us the proof. But you, on your couch, third house from the right, the yellow uh, you know, siding, you the house you're living in right now, need to take responsibility for your own faith and to figure out why you believe what you believe from the Bible. And we live in the information age. There is no excuse. If you lived 3,000 years ago, you might live your whole life and never see a book. You wouldn't have access to the Internet. You wouldn't have access to free online college-age classes that you could take of the bible bible knowledge you wouldn't have access to every preacher on the planet through video and audio that you could take everywhere you want you have access to more information than we've ever had before biblical knowledge but can you answer these questions like why do you believe that you're going to heaven do you really believe in hell why do you believe that you can't lose your salvation? Why do you believe some things are sin and other things are not? Has what you believed is sin changed over the course of the last 20 years? Is right and wrong determined by cultural pressure? Why do you believe the church is so important? Are you really expected to share your faith with other people? Isn't it just good enough if I just don't hurt anybody? Why do you believe that Jesus is coming back? You cannot solely rely on Sunday morning to teach you all these things. If you do, you will have a shallow faith. You will have unanswered questions that will fester into doubts and then unbelief. And then tragedy will come into your life or a skeptic will ask you a question and it will destroy your faith. But see, genuine faith is belief in action. And as our faith in uh, real evidence and proof that God has given us and and in his word, as that begins to grow and our faith deepens, we're going to see God work through us in unprecedented ways. It's going to begin to change us. You can't add more and more and more of this to your life without it changing you. And it will produce the fruits of the spirit love and joy and peace and gentleness and goodness things that weren't there before that God will work through the moving of the Holy Spirit in your life as you begin to decide that I'm going to take ownership for my own spiritual walk I'm not going to blame somebody else for it but I'm going to figure it out why I believe what I believe Peter told us in 1 Peter 3:15 always be prepared are you prepared always be prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks for the reason of the hope that is in you yet do it with gentleness and respect many of us have been christians for years and years 10 or more years 20 or more years and we have tragically dropped the ball in this area we couldn't present our faith we couldn't tell you why we believe what we believe because we allowed uh, the lie to creep in That it depends on someone else teaching me rather than me taking responsibility for my own faith. We need to ask God to forgive us for taking his word lightly. And commit to being people that were always ready to defend our faith. To answer hard questions. And to not let questions uh, linger in our mind. Not to ignore them, but to pursue them. And to be people that are willing to listen to other people's questions. gentleness and respect to pursue the hard questions that we have and to make our faith our own this is so important this is why we spend money as a church on something like right now media to give you every access for free content that can teach you about any subject that you want. Marriage, finances, parenting. The book of Revelation. The book of Peter. But we have to. You, I, we can't jump through this camera and make you do it. And God's not going to make you do it either. You have to take responsibility for your faith. And say, this is my faith. And if I want to see it grow i got to do something about it. And I'm not just going to rely on blind faith because I know that if I do, I could so easily be tricked by the lies that are out there today. There is so much that is untrue out there. You've got to pour your mind into what is true and what is good and what we can trust that has stood the test of time. Let's pray.